Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. Stand by for news and stuff. How's it going? Here we are on a Monday. Going to start all over again. How many years have you been at this, my friend? Uh, look to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of your faith, and be excited today for this is the day the Lord hath made. We're to rejoice and be glad in it. And despite all the things that are going on at the end of the program, going to uh, talk a little bit about rough times, tough times in life, and they come to all of us. And so many things happening today, confusion in the world. You don't understand. I don't understand. But we can go to the one who understands it all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guess I might ask, have you ever been saved? You're listening to the program today. Maybe this is your first time. You've never trusted Christ as Savior. Do it today. I mean, it'll change you forever. Call upon the name of the Lord. Ask forgiveness of your sins and invite Jesus Christ into your life. What a great way to start this Monday. I mean, getting saved, it's wonderful. What in the world is going on? Authorities say Halloween horrible in South Korea. 153 people, mostly in their 20s, killed in a crowd crush in Seoul's nightlife district Saturday night. As the city's first Halloween event with no COVID restrictions happened in years, it drew an estimated 100,000 revelers. Authorities are being questioned about the safety measures they had in place. It's one of South Korea's worst ever disasters. My oh my. Here's another. Officials in the western Indian state of Gujarat said at least 132 people were killed after a pedestrian suspension bridge collapsed into the river Sunday night. Authorities said the century-old cable suspension bridge collapsed because it couldn't handle all the weight of the large crowd that had gathered. The bridge had only just reopened four days before the collapse. It had been closed for renovation for six months before that. Well, this is a story that's been big news in the state of Indiana for the last five years. A real headache, to say the least. But now, Indiana police here announced the arrest of Richard Allen today for the killings of two teenagers in 2017, a, a tragic case that was dubbed the Delphi Murders. The lifeless bodies of Liberty Libby German, 14, and Abigail Williams, 13, were found February the 14th of 2017, one day after German's sister dropped the two friends off the entrance of a hiking trail in Delphi. That's a city about 80 miles northwest of Indianapolis. Today is not a day to celebrate, said the Indiana State Police. At a press conference, Allen, 50, was taken into custody Friday and booked in the Carroll County Jail. He worked at a local CVS and his home was searched last week with investigators focusing on a fire pit. The girls were found covered in blood and the killer had taken a memento from the crime scene. Russia said it would stop participating in a U.N.-brokered deal that allows Ukrainian grain to be shipped to world markets, accusing Kiev of a major drone attack in Crimea. Ukraine didn't publicly claim any responsibility, of course. U.S. officials bashed the move as weaponizing food supplies and said it would increase the risk of starvation around the world. The EU is urging Russia to change its mind. Well, here's Lilius. For more than four decades now, American universities have been allowed to factor in race when they decide which applicants they will admit. That could end very soon. The Supreme Court is hearing two separate cases today that challenge race-based admissions policies, a.k.a. it's called affirmative action, 
That's going to be at the University of North Carolina and at Harvard. Given the 6-3 stranglehold that conservatives had, isn't that wonderful? Legal experts say affirmative action could be the next decades-old precedent to be reversed by the Supreme Court, following Roe v. Wade. In 1978, the Supreme Court ruled that race could be one of the several factors considered in admission decisions, but banned the implementation of racial quotas. That decision was upheld in a different case back in 2003. The pro-affirmative action camp, which includes universities and business groups, argues that diversity in higher education would decline in a race-neutral admission process due to the ongoing discrimination against Black and Hispanics. Plus, there are centuries of racial harm that still need to be rectified, they say. University of North Carolina didn't admit Black students until 1955. And when those students arrived, they were forced to live in a separate dorm and walk through a campus that was full of memorials to segregationists. The anti-affirmative action group contends that UNC, Harvard, they're violating civil rights laws by treating people differently due to their race, specifically by discriminating against white and Asian American applicants. The group bringing both challenges before the Supreme Court is led by one man is named Edward Blum, who calls himself a one-trick pony. What does the public think? It's a little murky today because so much depends on how you frame this thing. In 2021, a Gallup poll said 62% of Americans supported affirmative action. In March of this year, a Pew survey found 74% of Americans do not support factoring in race and ethnicity to college admissions. Looking ahead now, the Supreme Court likely will not issue a ruling until, well, late spring of next year. So let's take a little walk to Moronville, the original Moronville, at least for now, Washington, D.C. Talking about Arizona Governor Don Ducey, who was accused last week by the Biden administration of trespassing as the Republican governor makes efforts to fill gaps along the U.S.-Mexico border, did it with shipping containers too high. He announced last week that he would have crews install shipping containers along a section of the border to fill gaps not covered by that wall. The announcement came two weeks after federal officials ordered him to take down containers that he had placed in the southwestern part of his state. The Republican governor then sued and requested the courts allow Arizona to keep 100 shipping containers double-stacked with barbed wire on top in place near Yuma. The containers were put in place in August to fill the gaps. While the governor said he was pushing back against the inaction, and that's a total... Oh, never. A total inaction of the Biden administration in stopping migrants from entering the state from Mexico, according to the Associated Press. The governor's plan is to cover a 10-mile section of the border using 2,700 containers. Well, Biden doesn't like that. And his administration, they're saying that they're trespassing by building a barrier. What a bunch of morons. Well, uh, really, there's no other way to look at it than it's the new America, this country already hurtling toward political disintegration, jolted again, this time by what a violent attack on the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Seizing a hammer, leaving a trailer broken glass, an intruder broke into the couple's San Francisco home and, and repeatedly struck the 82-year-old Paul Pelosi. He had surgery to repair a skull fracture, serious injuries to his arm and hands. They say he'll recover. 
The assailant confronted Pelosi by shouting, where is Nancy? According to another person familiar with this thing and granted anonymity, the Democratic Congresswoman was in Washington. The calling out of her name was a sign that the assault could have targeted her. She's second in line to be president. The ambush, a particularly savage reminder of how extreme it's getting in the United States of America and the Great Divide, adding to a sense of foreboding, they say, coming up to the November 8th election. My, oh, my. How about this, the dirty liars? Oh, you know what I'm going to say next, probably. There is a pro-life woman who said she was just outraged that she was featured in a pro-choice ad shared by former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom of California. That was in support of a proposal to enshrine abortion in the California state constitution. In an open letter that she posted on her Twitter account that was, what, October the 20th, Pro-life activist Macy Petty got after Clinton and Newsom and those behind that ad, claiming that she was misused, her image was misused to promote demon activity. Oh, I would agree with that one, lady. The video disseminated by Hillary Clinton and Gavin Newsom and many other demons, Dems, briefly depicts uh, Petty collapsing to the ground in tears outside the Supreme Court as the announcement came in June that Roe versus Wade had been overturned and superimposed over her face was the word sad, implying that Petty's reaction was one of devastation. It was not. Those tears were tears of joy. She wrote, hey, Hillary, I'm the girl crying in this video. She tweeted that to Clinton on October the 20th. I am pro-life. And those are happy tears because I just witnessed a miracle. Isn't that something? Liar, liar, their pants are always on fire. They should carry a fire extinguisher. What a bunch of... Oh, never mind. Well, this is kind of wild. Just three years ago, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva was in prison serving a 22-year term for corruption. Well, now he's about to become the next president of the largest Latin American country, marking his return to the post he held from 2003 to 2010. Da Silva, known simply as Lula, nearly defeated the incumbent in Brazil's runoff election yesterday, considered to be the most significant election in Brazil in, well, decades. That's because each of these politicians would have taken Brazil in a completely different direction. A right-wing nationalist, the former president promoted traditional social values and pulled back funding for protecting the Amazon rainforest, which experienced a surge in deforestation during his term. Lula, a leftist, is a giant in Brazilian politics who's credited with helping lift 20 million people out of poverty, from prison to the presidency. Hmm. Well, upstate here, Michigan, a neighborhood there, shut down trick-or-treating for tonight after a vacant house on the block became overrun with services an employee can produce in one hour, plunged by the sharpest rate on record going all the way back to the year I was born, 1947. The productivity plunge is perplexing because productivity took off to levels not seen in decades when the 
pandemic forced an overnight switch to remote work, leading some economists to suggest that the pandemic might spark longer-term growth. It also raises new questions about the shift to hybrid schedules and remote working as employees have made the case that flexibility helped them work more efficiently. Oh, they're really wondering about that now. Productivity down. The Fed is pretty much a lock to raise interest rates, 75 basis points on Wednesday for the fourth straight meeting. Evidence that its inflation-fighting campaign is working and could come on Friday with the October jobs report. Daylight savings time ends at 2 o'clock this Sunday. Don't forget to set your clocks back so you'll get an extra hour of sleep, right? That works, does it? Also means watching the sun set from your desk while you're at work for the next few months. World Series, Phillies and the Astros each took one game apiece down in Houston. Team's going to play game three tonight in front of a frenzied and very wealthy crowd in Philadelphia. Why, why do I say that? I looked up the ticket prices, just, you know, one of those things you might want to know. Minimum to get through the door, $900. Well, that ain't going to happen. I wouldn't go through the doors for 100 bucks. Nine. Never mind. And uh, here's another thing. Do you like baseball? Have you ever liked baseball? The religion scholar James Karsh wrote that there's just two kinds of games in life, period. Finite and infinite. A finite game is played to win, and there are clear victors and clear losers. An infinite game is played to just keep on playing. The goal is to maximize winning across all participants. I think so many of sports events are like that today. Debate, that's a finite game. Marriage is an infinite game. The midterm elections are finite games. American democracy is an infinite game. A great deal of unnecessary suffering in the world comes from not knowing the difference between finite and infinite. A bad fight can destroy a marriage. A challenged election can destabilize a democracy. When they play baseball in Philadelphia tonight, winning the World Series is a finite game, while growing the popularity of Major League Baseball is an infinite game, just like the National Football League and, well, basketball. You get it. So what happened, really? If you used to like baseball and you don't anymore, what happened? I think baseball's finite game was solved so completely in such a way in days gone by that the infinite game was lost somewhere. That's true of so many sports today. Just a thought. New York City Marathon's coming this Sunday. Dolly Parton, Eminem, and others are going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This Saturday, if that's important to you. They're on top again. The iPhones have once again taken over the Android phones. I, uh, I've i played that game. Somebody told me I've had Android all, well, since I had my first cell phone. And then they said, hey, need to be cool. Get a iPhone. $600 for a used one. Sure. Supposed to be faster? I thought it helped me out with what I do. I don't think so. We did some recordings for things I'm doing with Southwest Radio Church coming up and the Android Galaxy A13, so much clearer than the iPhone 11 that I have, and I'm switching back to Android. <laughs> Anybody cares? Well, do you exercise much? Plenty of people cite lack of time and justifying their non-existent exercise routines, but a new study's out now from Australia 
could effectively end that excuse forever, scientists at the University of Sydney report that a two-minute burst of vigorous physical activity totaling a meager 15 minutes a week are associated with lowering your risk of death. That's it. Finding as little as two minutes a day for a quick workout can extend your life. How's that sound? Well, how about this? Today, did you know this? You need to be careful walking today. Today is the deadliest day of the year for a pedestrian. Who said that? A normal person. How stupid are we as a country to put up with this border crisis? Uh-huh. Now, this would make sense. The world hated Donald Trump because he made them pay their bills. And today, October 31st, so much to be said about Halloween. It's the most evil day of the year. But my friend, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21. And finally, here's a chilling thought. If the truth be told, can't nobody talk about nobody. We all got a past. We all got problems. And we all need a lot of prayer. Where's my Bible? Life 101 is next. You never know what a day is going to bring. On Friday, my wife, who had fallen last week, had a bump on her head. That thing burst and blood squirting everywhere. She had ruptured a, an artery, finally came through, thought we had that all taken care of. Emergency room stitches there, did this, did that. Last night, here we go again. I'm telling you, you never know. I'm so glad that I'm saved, that God's in control and a sweet peace that comes, regardless of what happens in your life, He is in control. And by the way, I want to thank you all who continue to pray for me, the family, the grandkids situation. It is so good to know that you are there. You know what? I think I love you. Has it happened to you recently? You know, each of us can probably recall at least once when frustration over life circumstances has pushed us to the point of depression or despair. You discouraged this day? You know, the prophet Elijah could write a dissertation on dealing with difficult situations. One moment, there he is on Mount Carmel, victoriously facing the pagan prophets of Baal. Now, the next, he's on the run for his life from a woman, 1 Kings chapter 18. However, instead of standing firm in the wake of Jezebel's empty threats, God's prophet became scared, fearful, ran to a place the Bible calls a wilderness. There the prophet took refuge under a broom tree, and he prayed, what? To die? A man who was the voice piece of Almighty God to a nation, to Israel, had fallen into real discouragement. But it's here that the very nature of God is revealed to you and me. Love and compassion overflow from God's heart. Instead of condemnation and death, God sends an angel to minister to Elijah's emotional and physical needs. How important is that? God knew Elijah needed refreshment. Wise, rational decisions are difficult to make when you are stressed out to the max. Once he became a bit stronger, God led him to a secret place on Mount Sinai. It was there that God reminded his servant of his calling. Are there times in your life when you wish God would draw you into himself, pushing back all the cares of this old world for at least a day, so that you can see life a little more clearly? This is what he did for Elijah. He's going to do it for you. 
The writer of Hebrews tells us to draw near to the confidence of the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and we may find grace to help in, oh, a time of need. I got it. Hebrews 4.16. What happened to Elijah happens to many of us. The pressure builds. We go through extreme trials. Then comes something of lesser difficulty, and suddenly the pressure just becomes too much. There on the mountain of God, the Lord refocused the prophet's spiritual eyesight. As long as his focus remained on God, and it's true for you and I today, he could call fire down from heaven when he focused on God. But when he looked at his surroundings and from a human perspective calculated the enemy's ability, he became fearful and frustrated. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man, a woman, a child thinketh in his heart. That's really what you are. What are you thinking about today? Are your thoughts directed toward heaven, toward God, or down here on earth? There are situations in life, if not dealt with properly, leave us depressed, leave us tired, leave us weary. There are times when, from our perspective, things appear as if they're never going to change. However, from God's perspective, all things work together for good and to his glory, according to Romans 8.28. Even though you can struggle, you can be victorious by placing your trust in Christ. And even though your life may be touched by strife and sorrow today, you can have peace because Christ is your living hope. He is definitely stronger than anything you're facing today. God's not looking for flawless people to serve and to trust him. He's looking for those whose hearts are tuned toward him. Have you done that? Have you turned to God in love and devotion? We live in a fallen old new world here, a new America. Conflict, disappointment, anxiety, oh, it's going to come. And God, however, I love it, never changes. What do you mean? His faithfulness, my friend, endures forever. There are many reasons you find yourself in trying circumstances today. You made a poor decision. Satan and his demons are assaulting you. And trials... They're coming for growth. When we seek God and His will for our life, this is so good. Especially those things in our present circumstances, we receive much more than we could ever imagine because God always responds in faithfulness and hope. He loves you. You may be thinking today, I've trusted God for years and still my husband is estranged from me. Or I haven't heard from my daughter now in months and I have no idea where she is or what's going on in her life. Situations like these, definitely tough, but God knows your need. He is going to sustain you today, no matter how dark it is out there, no matter how dark your problems, the light of his love will guide you and bring you peace in a broken heart. Many times trials come because we've not listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and God speaks with the motive of protecting and guiding and teaching us more about himself. If we are too busy to hear his voice, we are definitely the ones who are going to suffer through all of this. I mean, this is really good stuff, my friend, and we'll continue on with this message tomorrow. And that is, when the going really gets tough and rough, have you ever felt like giving up, calling it quits and tossing in the towel? You are not alone. We can all say, been there, done that. Join us on the next program. We'll tell you more about the goodness of God and his love for you. And finally, in all seriousness, this sounds like something I would do. A woman said that her husband stopped at a convenience store for a cup of coffee, and he got back into the car. I noticed something odd. I said, turn your head. Look at me. I said, for crying out loud, you have a Q-tip sticking out of your ear. Well, 
That explains it, he said. What do you mean? No wonder. The guy in there just asked me if I was getting good reception. <laughs> oh, we're bad, aren't we? That's it. Another edition of Hello World. Remember to tell a friend about the broadcast. And we're so grateful for those of you that support the program. Nothing moves without money. you got to have finance to keep things going. And you know that's true for everything. Every ministry, certainly. That's it. Had my say for another day. Thanks so much for listening. Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E, and on Facebook. And that's the way it is. October 31st, 2022. I'm Greg Patton. God bless. Have a great day.